0: Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between, and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. My name is Jesse, and I'm joined by Mariko as we continue the Mad Macro series of Little Tokyo uh, Supreme. Just got (laughs) up. Episode four! Episode five! Five. Four, four, four. four. Yes. Let's go ahead. Well, if we include you, it's five. If we don't include you, it's four. Are you included? That's the question of the day that we need to answer. I am included. All right. Episode five. (laughs) James Choi, what what have ye to say about James Choi? I've got a lot to say about James Choi, so I'm going to let you go first and okay. see if you can tick off um, some of my boxes.
1: James Choi is a, a small business owner in Little Tokyo. His first location for Cafe Dulcet actually opened in Little Tokyo. And one of the reasons that he is included in this series, he is actually our only non-Japanese... Yes, he is our only, I have to Double check really quickly and like think, like go through all the people's names in my head. He's actually the only person who does not have any um, ancestry from Japan. Okay, uh, everyone else has some variation on uh, yes. Japanese ancestry. Um, he's actually Korean American, but it was really important for me to for me to make sure that we included him in the series because because Jane, Cafe
0: Dulce is bomb. It's
2: so good.
1: <laughs> it is, and it's good for so many reasons. But it, you know. They're kind of the perfect example of a business that comes into a community that has um, kind of a very strict definition about what it means to be a historical community, what it means to be an ethnic community, Mm -hmm. and how to not only pay homage and respect to the community that exists, but also like contribute above and beyond what, what even some people who are longtime community members do. I won't say anyone's names, but... I think that it's um, important for us to also acknowledge all of our partners in a neighborhood and also um, the other people who are our allies and kind of like fighting the good fight. And James Choi is and his wife, Cindy, are definitely those people. And I love and adore both of them um, so much. I just appreciate everything that they do for the community and also how much they've like shared with me as I'm acclimating myself to living in los angeles and working in little tokyo
0: the fishbowl is exhausting let me tell you why (laughs) because every every guest we try to get people on who are really good in their fields and uh, almost all of these have been fields that i have no experience in whatsoever and i am doing my level best to keep pace with somebody who's miles ahead of me and running twice as fast as I could ever run. James Choi is one of these where it was just, I was struggling to keep up with him. He kept dropping all these business terms and Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm, like, I'm a dummy. I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. One thing I will say is it's a great To listen to James, if you're an entrepreneur or if you're Mm -hmm. just trying to understand how small business or small business enterprise works better, this is an episode you should definitely listen to because not only is James coming from an accounting background, Mm -hmm. but he also has now like what, eight years experience of running now four successful locations in Los Angeles. And he is another example of someone who openly shares his experience and his knowledges with others but he's so smart. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to like Google as we have conversations. yes, yes, yeah, yeah. But I take notes and I write down what he says and I look it up afterwards and I feel like I'm a better entrepreneur and I help other entrepreneurs better because of the conversations I have with James.
0: As fun as listening to him talk about his current businesses, which are doing well, was hearing him talk about the businesses that didn't work.
1: Oh yeah, which I didn't know anything about. I didn't realize that his whole life had been like business after his yep. mom is, yeah, 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 setting a, up and amazing, like business woman, entrepreneur. And really, I think James just grew up in it, but he always had to help, um, mm-hmm. which is very much a part of the immigrant experience where you're kind of like always helping out in your parents' shop, kind of yep, thing. Yep, yep. Um, and it's really wonderful to listen to him talk about, oh, that didn't work and this didn't work and that didn't work because now you would never be able to tell because Cafe Dulce is it works extremely successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a relief because I've done plenty of projects that didn't work and you get that (laughs) kind of feeling like, I guess this is just what I do at this point.
1: I'm really great at failing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really energizing to hear somebody talk about what went wrong and then what went right and how they identified what was going right and built on that in later iterations of different businesses um, and it's, it's fun. He's just a fun conversationalist. He's really, really engaging. Yeah. So uh, are we out of ado? Yes. Then with no further ado, we give to you, James Choi. Drops. Oh, I see. Morpheus,
2: Morpheus is, is fighting, fighting Neo. Neo! Hello
0: and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am your host, Jesse Kester, and today I am joined by the
2: one, the only, the illustrious James Choi. I uh owner operator of Cafe Dulce here in downtown Los Angeles, Little Tokyo to be specific. And happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining. It is a pleasure to have you on. The music is almost done and
0: things mellow out a little bit after this is done. (laughs) We don't play this through the whole episode.
2: I see why Morpheus is fighting Neo now.
0: (laughs) Ah, he is done fighting Neo. That is why we do that stupid bit and we can't retire it. Um, How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really, really do appreciate it. It's good to, I know you tangentially through the scene in Little Tokyo and I'm glad to
2: finally get the the one-on-one time that I feel Uh I deserve. Yes, absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for your help um, and your time. Oh yeah, I've shot you. For shooting at Little Tokyo that we had this past year and it was great. And your video that you edited for us was amazing. So thank
0: you. I'm here for y'all, and for the beginning of the show. Is it okay if we get into the program? Yeah, let's do it. Can we get the pleasantries out of the way? Yes. All right. What we do at the top of the show is five in five. I'm going to ask you five questions. You have one minute to answer each question. Five minutes, five questions. That's why it's called five in five. Are we good? There will be beeps to tell you that you are out of time, and you can't go over because this is for Instagram, and if you go over a minute, it'll get cut anyway. So uh, here we go. Question. Are you ready? You good? Let's do it. Question. Number one, you get beeps. Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood?
2: Uh, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. And Nevada? Nevada. I don't know what to say. But uh, I think, um, how did it inform my childhood? Your adulthood. I, adulthood. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like to gamble, which okay. is great. Yeah, um, and I save a lot of money by not gambling. And um I lived in a cul-de-sac, so I really liked childhood.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> were there other kids on this cul-de-sac? Yes, I'm guessing yes, there were if you great. liked yeah, yeah.
2: childhood. I don't know. A minute feels a lot longer than it's supposed to be right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, some people burn down. Some people need uh, three minutes to answer that question. Got
2: it, yeah. Sorry, uh, I probably didn't answer that question. You,
0: you did. You did beautifully, and you're allowed to forfeit your remaining 15 seconds if oh, you want.
2: Yeah, forfeit. Let's go.
0: All right. <laughs> Here we go. Question number two what is the must engage media the book the movie the television show the album that opened up your brain to the entire universe that everyone else should check out at least once
2: Ooh, that's a great question um i think a book that i love and i think not just people in the hospitality or restaurant industry should read is uh, setting the table by danny meyer Mm -hmm. um He just talks about, really, it goes into a lot of management style and and what he believes in, in terms of what hospitality is. And some of the things that he talks about is how great service is technical, but really hospitality is an emotional transaction. And I think in a lot of areas of life where, I mean, at the end of the day, we're dealing with other people, right? And so we're dealing with hospitality at every level. So really, it's an emotional transaction that we're having with so many people throughout you know, our entire life. And I think that book is really great in terms of just like kind of putting vocabulary and thoughts in your minds about it.
0: Can I make a prediction right here and now? Yes. I think for this episode, we're going to be spending more time talking about hospitality than we will cul-de-sacs. Yes. All right. Let's continue on the five and five. (laughs) Question number three: What brings you the greatest joy in your life?
2: Ooh, right now I have to say my uh, one-year-old daughter. She'll be one on the fifteenth. I don't know if this will air before or after, but her name's Autumn, and she is a bundle of joy. And you know, they always tell you you'll never understand until you're a parent, whatever. And it always seems overstated, but it really isn't. And um, man, she's she's a bundle of joy.
0: What's she doing?
2: She's right now she's doing a lot of cruising, which is like grabbing things. And so right before walking and then, um, lots of noises. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like her language is developing, but it's not a language yet, (laughs) but does she feel like
0: she's communicating when she's talking?
2: Oh yeah. For sure. points at things and she'll give us attitude and give you a furrowed brow and a stare down if you do something that she doesn't particularly like. Um, but then she also gives you hugs and like, it just melts your heart. Of course. Of course. Does she have object permanence yet? (laughs) What is that?
0: That's uh, like thinking that a thing. Oh, I'd love to tell you, but yeah. we're out of time.
2: <laughs> what gets under your skin? Ooh, what grinds my gears? Yep. <laughs> what, what rains on your parade? Um, Man, you know what? Actually, this is fresh in my mind. One of our staff members uh, over at our, one of our newer, newer locations, USC village. Um, he got assaulted yesterday and mm-hmm. he couldn't come into work because he had a, big scar on his forehead from getting hit in the head. And it just like, I don't know what happened or what have you, but he's like the nicest timid kid and he got assaulted. And that I think is terrible. And I feel like I, I wanted to go eye for an eye to like tooth for tooth. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, hopefully he comes back and he's okay. But that definitely gets into my skin when pe- okay. nice people get harmed. Okay. It totally sucks.
0: Do you want to forfeit Forfeit a rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> next question I believe is last yes we're up to five yeah question number five what is the best advice you've received in your lifetime and what is the best advice that comes from your very own brain
2: this is still still hard um I think the best advice would probably be uh just be patient and grind it out Mm -hmm. um I think there's a lot to be said about doing really really hard work and um and pushing yourself to your boundaries um, and, and testing those boundaries and seeing, seeing what you can do because you can really achieve and do a lot more than you think. Best advice that I give people right now is, I think, especially in this environment, political, whatever environment, it's like open your mind um, mm-hmm. and really consider um, the decisions that you're making, whether personally or on a larger scale or what have you. Um, I think people need to think more. I think a lot of people don't do that, or I see a lot of people that don't do that. You, oh, yes, 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 yes.
0: You have successfully completed five and five. Would you like the That's celebration?
2: Rough. Oh yeah, let's do yeah, Here we go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: My favorite part of that segment. Let us, if we can, slow things down. Let's get to know you a little bit better if we, if we, if we're allowed to. Sure. Grew up in a cul-de-sac.
2: Yeah. Cool. Done. When did you leave Las Vegas? Uh, I moved to Los Angeles, um, in middle school really to per- pursue a career in professional golf. And so, uh, wait,
0: so in middle school you decided to move cities. Was it, were their parents influencing this or supporting this or what?
2: Yeah. How does that, how does that work? That. Yeah. So my mom had me move to LA actually away from family and I live with another family to, uh, pursue golf. The reason why we moved, I moved to California was because, um, at that time, and I think still by and large right now, the three best states for uh junior golf is California, Texas and Florida. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're in Vegas, California is the closest. And, um, and so we knew people here too. So I moved here to pursue that, um, and played competitive golf throughout middle school, high school, and college. Uh, our first half of college, um, at USC. And, uh, and that was the initial reason why I came out to Los Angeles. Um, I also always had kind of an affinity for business and mm-hmm. just, and I, I don't know, I think that might've been because of my mom. Cause she was always obsessed about like wanting to do her own thing. I think early on when she first moved to America, she bought a fish and chip store that didn't do so well. And then she worked for hotels and casinos and later had a big kind of litigation with, uh, I guess it's okay to say, uh, like the Mirage at the time mm-hmm. she was an international marketing hostess. And, uh, and so after that terrible experience, she's like, don't ever go work for somebody else. Do something for yourself. Um, and so, yeah. So, so what'd she kick off at
0: that point? What, when she left the Mirage, is she starting up her own business or
2: much more stressful in the sense that, uh, like the issues that panned out, mm-hmm. uh, She ended up being locked up in Korea for two, two to, I think two months or a couple of months and spent time there. And, uh, Korea has different laws surrounding, you know, what you can do to people that you have in custody. So she was like sleep deprivation and tortured and stuff like that. So I think there is a lot there that ended up affecting her even later on. Like later on, I remember she had medication for bipolar disorder and what have you. So a lot of depression and what have you. So, um, I think that made it hard for her to do other stuff. But after the Mirage, she started, she tried to do a boba shop. She had a tobacco shop. She had, uh, we did a chocolate boutique, which was actually the first thing that we did that was successful. And then we had Cafe Dolce. How old are you at the
0: chocolate? You're saying we, you were involved in these projects? Yeah, so How I old helped. are you at this point?
2: So when we started the chocolate franchise or boutique, it was a Swiss chocolate company called Teuscher. Mm-hmm. And um, we had an opportunity to go to Korea, that didn't work out. And then um, some people that were supposed to start in Palo Alto got cold feet and backed out. And we said, hey, why don't we try that? Um, and so I was just graduating college when that happened. So I was And what 21. are you studying at this point? Accounting. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so uh, my first couple of years out of college was work at, I went to go work for Ernst & Young. Mm-hmm. And so I'd work Monday through Friday at Ernst & Young, my normal job, and then fly up to San Jose Friday night Drive to Palo Alto, which isn't too far, it makes it sound farther, but you know, g- go to Palo Alto, work the chocolate shop on Saturday, Sunday, do as much admin as I can, fly back down Sunday night and go back to work on Monday. And I did that for like six months straight every weekend and racked up a ton of frequent flyer miles with Southwest.
0: Did you get to did you get to treat your mom to some uh, flight somewhere or no, did, did you, you use them all for yourself?
2: Just, no, it's just it was all for going back and forth to run this chocolate shop and mm-hmm. helping her. And I think the reason why she needed a lot of help was was it's relatively a very easy operation. You order chocolate from Switzerland, it comes in, you unpackage it, display it, and then repackage it. Um, And then you have like four to five staff uh, that sell really high-end chocolate to Mm -hmm. whoever. Um, But she didn't understand why uh, kids in America won't do things when you tell them to. Uh, She's like, why do I have to keep telling them? I have to tell them over and over again. And she just couldn't get... It's interesting. She came to the U S when she was 20. So probably in the late 70, uh, yeah, late seventies.
0: And where is she coming from? Is it South South Korea? Korea? Yeah.
2: And, uh, and so she is stuck culturally. Her Korean is stuck culturally from back then where you don't ever, ever, um, and it's by and large this way still, but much more extreme. Back then, it's like you never question authority. Mm-hmm. You say yes, you do it, there's no questions asked. When you say jump, you say how high, like that sort of mentality. Whereas kids today, you need to give them a reason why you're doing things and really inspire them and encourage yeah. them in many ways, which is great too. But she had a hard time understanding that as a manager, or when yeah, you're managing yeah. people, that's kind of part of the gig now. It's constantly figuring out how to motivate people and having to tell people things over and over and over again, knowing that they still will forget or yeah. won't do things or what have you. So,
0: so you're you're kind of bridging the, the cultural and generational gap with her, helping her to see yeah, how to talk so, to them? Or are you doing any of the, the on-site management at that point? Yeah,
2: sometimes it's like bad cop, good cop. Uh-huh. So like she'll... Blow walls in the hole, like blow holes in the wall, mm-hmm, and I'll come and mm-hmm. patch them up and then be like, hey, you know, whatever. And then, and then, you know, a big part of it was we just needed staff on the weekends yeah, so we could yeah. save money. So when I worked on the weekends, it's one less person that we had to work. Yeah. Um, and then, and I don't have to worry about breaks or overtime, or whatever. So I, you know, that's that I would just go put in the man hours. And then at night, I would do all the books. Yeah. Uh, do the accounting, uh, figure out how we're doing. Are we making money? Are we losing money? Is this, a stupid idea, you know, um, and then do some of the ordering and communication with the franchise store.
0: Had any? Did, did this one work? Was this the first one to work? Had any of the others?
2: The other ones, I don't think they really worked. I think it was bought and sold. Like we even did a. a I think she even looked into like a foot massage place because that was a thing in Koreatown for a while. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So this was the first one that I think was kind of successful, um, in the sense that like we made money, we paid off a small business loan that we had. Um, and really this place would have been a cash cow, um, very simple business model. We're great location. It was 460 square feet, but we moved $750,000 worth of chocolate a year. And it was like, it was good. And it wasn't yeah, too yeah. hard. And like, it was fun because it was very, as a very festive store. Yeah. Um, during the holidays, it transformed for each holiday. Um, and I, you know, I really feel like that store has kind of informed the way I look at the way we serve people at Dulce No. Yeah. Um, Because to give you an idea, so it was a gourmet chocolate shop to, at that time, Godiva, which was considered to be a gourmet chocolate boutique, was selling chocolate for about $35 a pound. If you weighed it out, they didn't, they never, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, you're not buying the bonbons by the pound. Yeah. But.
2: So for us, we sold everything by weight. And we were selling everything for $78 a pound, which is mm-hmm. more than double. Yeah. Um, and so, really, you need to. Um, the salesmanship there has to be really great. And it can't be.
0: Like an understanding of why it's $78 right? a pound. And
2: explaining that and telling them how special it is and what have you. And yeah. then also, when someone comes in, like, hey, they're looking for a particular thing they normally get at Godiva or a seized candy, like, we, sorry, we don't carry that. But based off what you're asking, we have X, yeah. Y, Z that I think you would love.
0: Are there like chocolate sommeliers who come in and taste and,
2: Oh, I'm sure there are. I don't know. Okay. I but you, don't got, you didn't, get you didn't out. work with any of them on this project. I got to go to Switzerland and do chocolate training.
0: How? Was, what's that like? How do they was, teach you how to taste chocolate better? What, um, I mean, we didn't, what can the average person be doing to appreciate a piece of chocolate more? Um,
2: Dude, I don't know, just try <laughs> lots of chocolate, eat lots of chocolate. It's like anything. The more you taste things, like mm-hmm. the better your palate becomes, I think. Okay. Um, but chocolate training was more like under- like learning the history of Toy Sure and where it okay. came from. They had uh they were the first ones that made the champagne truffle and they used Dom Perignon in it and uh, we got to see how things were made. And we got to try and make certain things, not everything, but just to appreciate how difficult it is, you know?
0: Now, where are you, if you're selling, you said 750000 a year, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the company called that you were buying? Toy sure Toy How loved are you by Toy Are you at the kind of the higher end of their clientele? Or are you mid-level or are you just like a spec on the radar for them? So.
2: It was, a, it was an interesting company in the sense that they didn't franchise because they wanted to make money. I think they franchised because it gave the the um, Dolph Toysher, the owner at the time, a reason to travel to cities that he loved. Oh, okay. You know? And so it's like, great. Um, I think amongst the Toysher there were only 24 franchises around the world at the time we, we had ours. And I think of them, we probably ranked in the top 10. Okay, But really, you know, it was just... Do they like the peep their franchisees, yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah, like, so we never really got a sense of like, oh, you're the best. Or,
0: you're- no, I don't mean like competitively, uh-huh. but just trying to understand there's so much I don't know about the world of, uh, exquisite chocolate. Sure. And oh, um, franchise like,
2: even like uh, compared to other stores.
0: Yeah, like are you are you moving a lot of units or um, average amount of units? I, a,
2: it's probably not a ton because like I think it also depends on where you are. Yeah. So there's Toys sure R in Madison Square Garden.
0: Yeah, they might move to- more than
2: to- Toys in, t- in Tucson, business. Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like I, I remember the 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 goal or the dream was what they had. They had a corporate list. And of of people just sending gifts to other companies or people that they did business with, and that would be that would cover their rent. And their rent was like thirty grand a month over in you know Rockefeller Center or mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden, and uh, and like it's like dude, we'd love to have something like that, but we just didn't have that sort of density in Palo Alto.
0: So does the store is the store still open or did you did that wind down? So we
2: sold that to another family at year three, mm-hmm. and they ran it for another seven years, and then uh, and I think they just they they decided to close it. Okay. Yeah. So either that or rent was too high and it wasn't sustainable or whatever.
0: Yeah. But yeah.
2: I know the, the, the family we sold it to or the family that purchased it, uh, they were kind of retired in retirement and they wanted a hobby. Oh yeah. Like this know, seems
0: like a fun thing yeah, to do. And they
2: had a daughter that could run it. Yeah. Rent, so like, you know, and they were well off. So, okay. yeah.
0: So now, do you sell it with the intent of opening Cafe Dulce, or was that kind of a thing that came up after the, sell, the, sell, sure. the sell, uh, sale? Sure. Uh, sale. Sale.
2: <laughs> sale. So we I, we just we sold it because my mom wanted to get out of it. Okay. I could tell she was really unhappy up there. Uh, at that time, my grandmother had passed away and she wasn't able to be there kind of during those last times. So, um, so, their goal was just to sell it, get out of debt, make some money, and then move back down to LA and then figure out what else to do. And then once we did that, we actually found out that my mom, excuse me, um, she, uh, she, we discovered she had cancer, she had ovarian mm-hmm. cancer. And so we dealt with that for a year. So timing was good in the sense that we didn't have a store to run or try and sell because that was a process. Um, and it gave us kind of a luxury to be able to just focus on her treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Surgery, chemo. Uh, and that was about a year and I actually didn't work. Um, and I just took care of my mom and, and try to do some other things on the side or just, I don't know. Um, that was an interesting time. Now then, for
0: that year, are you, is it uh, a terminal? What do you mean? Like this is going to be the last year with her or oh, is it? I mean,
2: it's scary. So she, the cancer went to remission. Okay. Um, and I think when we found it, it was like stage two. So, an ovarian cancer is a cancer that they say it, you can come back from. It's mm-hmm. you know prob- chances are pretty good, but um, this is where I learned a life lesson: stress kills. Because after she came back from remission, she still was. She's like, "I'm not going to wait around to die, so I'm going to open up a bakery." And this is now the the genesis of Café Dulce. And and um, it's, is
0: it Dulce? Like that's the name she gives it at the start, or is?
2: That's the name. Do you have she, a prototype she, name. No, she asked me to name it, and that's what. Oh, okay, named it. that's the name you uh, gave it at the yeah. start. Um, and so I was like, "Why are you going to do a bakery? You didn't have fun running a chocolate shop because of, you know, the labor pool. Like, what do you think is going to be different about this labor pool? And in fact, it's going to be harder because now you have to deal with production. Yeah, and just that whole supply chain of things and. And uh, now you have to deal with experts that have to make things and have to manage them. Like, this is going to be a nightmare. She's like, oh, I found a partner. I was like, great, because I don't want anything to do with this. I'm going to go back to my professional life and you take care of, you know, like you and your partner, you know, by all means, I hope it kills it. Um, we're, the reason why I got back involved is three weeks before we were supposed to open the store, her and the baking partner, mm-hmm. the, who is going to be the sweat equity or whatever, um and is going to be the one that's gonna run a lot of it. He gets cold feet. Or no, they don't not doesn't get cold feet. Uh, they have a huge altercation and he's like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a big um you know, he didn't get as much equity as he wanted and whatever, and he tried to call her bluff and she's like, Fine, leave. And so um I'm like, Great. This is uh back in the this game. Is, yeah. Here's my two weeks, Ernst and Young. Thanks for having me. Oh, so I actually went back to Ernst and Young, uh-huh. and, and so I was a what they call a boomerang, and I was working there for about a year, mm-hmm. and then uh, and so I was like, okay, well, here's my two weeks. I have to go figure out how to learn how to. I have to go figure out how to run a bakery, and uh, fake it till you make it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you,
0: that's a big question. You don't have to answer now. I imagine this sure. answer will play out over the course of the next twenty or so minutes of this conversation. Yeah. Do you feel it? Do you feel like you made it? Um, have you cracked the code do you see the the DNA of, of bakeries
2: no okay for sure not like uh, it me and my two of my closer friends um, we always say that you're always operating with a certain level of paranoia mm-hmm. um, constantly worried about the next month being the month the beginning of the end you know it's yeah just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 there's a lot of stress and you learn how to kind of you um, <clears throat> deal with that and you're like push it down deep and you know ignore it or whatever but you're constantly worried about competition about labor about staffing and like it, or customers getting upset or you know people claiming they got sick or they did get sick from something that they ate. like it's I mean, we haven't had very many cases of that at all but you know you're constantly worried about it right yeah yeah, yeah. So, of course of course um and then you know obviously the the um, regulatory environment we're in with rising costs of minimum wage and stuff like that. It's, it's very concerning, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't feel and like there, we've, and there the Are there no, are like,
0: like I wasn't a baker, but now I am support groups where you can go and talk to other people who right. got roped into yeah, bakery absolutely. unexpectedly. Uh, what do you, how do you, how do you, like get how do you get the foundation where do you get the basics of running a bakery Uh, because I imagine it's more complicated than just bake some stuff and sell it like where do you where do you do you take a night class at community college or how do you get your your foundations so
2: I mean I think if I were to say that I had talents uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's I'm able to pick things up pretty quickly like I understand things at least to be able to get to a level where like okay I'm comfortable with this and I understand it and I now we can kind of manage around it. Yeah. Um, So the first six months, our menu changed constantly because we were buying bread from wholesale bakers. We were buying frozen dough. We were buying danishes and croissants. Like it was nuts. And we changed our supplier like three or four times. And then finally we, uh, you know, we hired a a family friend out of Baking Retirement who came in and kind of set the tone. And we finally figured out who we were and what we're serving. Um, And it kind of just, organically morphed from there, but, uh, but no, I didn't take any nighttime baking
0: classes (laughs) Uh, or not even baking, but just logistics of understanding the city regulations on a a food building where you make your own food as opposed to buying chocolate and selling it.
2: Yeah. It was just one of those things of like, you know, you're going to sink or swim and you kind of have to learn how to swim.
0: Yeah. And you do it from the ground. Like you got to buy the flour, you got to buy the eggs. Like this is all uh, from scratch. And it's
2: an ongoing process too. Like even now, like I'm, we discover new suppliers and I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is great. Like, I wish I knew this seven years ago. Um, And that's how long Cafe
0: Dulce has been in operation. it'll
2: be eight years in in April.
0: How far in do you open your second shop?
2: So our second shop or a second concept really opened probably... What's the difference between a shop and a concept? A shop I would identify as like like a brick and mortar build out. This is like your physical location. Mm -hmm. Our concept was we had we were asked to create, they were, they were like, Hey, can you create a coffee kiosk? And I'm like, that sounds lame. I don't want to create a kiosk cause that's what I envision in the, in the lobbies of medical buildings. Yeah, so we're yeah. like, we're going to build a coffee cart out of reclaimed wood. It'll be really beautiful. So we did that as, um, as an attempt to create, they, they needed, um, they needed something to kind of, it was an abandoned building, but they were going to bring in like new, um, office tenants and there was no amenity. So we we're going to be an amenity for that. Okay. I was like, oh, this would be a good idea to kind of do and explore. So we figured out how to do that and spent like $20,000 that we didn't have and made this. And then that fell through because those tenants didn't actually end up signing. And so um, the our, our friends that was trying to get us in the door with this thing, they were like, hey, we're really sorry this fell through. I'm like, what do we do with these carts that we built and like we have this abandoned building on 11th and hope do you want to do a pop-up there and i was like oh cool and this is when pop-ups were actually cool oh thank uh,
0: you yeah. I, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no not that this pop-up truck cool man
0: <laughs> good to know where we stand. well i Sorry, uh, just so me, you know bakeries are out i talked to my friends i would thumb on the pulse
2: <laughs> uh it's let me rephrase concept. that Content. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes yes no uh, let me say uh like I think food pop-ups were like, people were excited about them. Let's let's say that, yeah. People were more excited about food pop-ups. Now you hear about food pop-ups all the time. And I think it's just not that they're not cool. Let me retract my previous statement, but, uh, that they're not as exciting as they used to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not, not demode. It's not the, the wave has maybe crested on the the fascination. (laughs) Appreciate that.
2: Um, you're fine. I'm picking on you. What are you talking about? Great. Um, and so we went into this abandoned building with our coffee carts Mm -hmm. and then that's when we started going, Oh, graffiti is cool. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of, that's when we were introduced to art as a, as a means of like creating a space for people to come and enjoy. And so we were there and that eventually, and that was probably a year like that started like 10 months after we opened little Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And then that morphed into what we call Dulce Dose now, because that pop-up moved to the original building. We were supposed to be an amenity for, cause that finally kind of turned around. And then we were an amenity as a pop-up in the, in kind of the main lobby for a little bit and then that later they were like hey we'd actually like you to fully build out in the lobby and so now we have a coffee bar in the lobby and that's what we call dulce so that was that whole genesis was probably like started 10 months into kind of um our life and then probably another year before we like got an actual physical space there
0: Okay, quick question. Mm-hmm. When I go to a coffee shop, I feel like the profit margins must be insane. Are they
2: insane? They're not.
0: <laughs> How could they not be? Um, what what what's what's so stinking expensive about coffee? Sure.
2: Uh, well, I think so. I this is kind of where I can kind of elaborate on where coffee is today and and what has happened. What's kind of
0: so, so are you going to take my curmudgeon-y, useless question and turn it into something actually worth <laughs> no,
2: discussing? No, this is no. It's a great question, and I think it's something that like the specialty coffee industry is trying to do um, collectively is to to push this push specialty coffee forward and have people realize that there's a ton of value that is in these coffee beans that people are going like, why isn't this a dollar a cup? You know, and and really so, and that kind of takes you back to the history of coffee. So we're what we're in or at just passing what you're what people call third wave coffee and first wave
0: none of the people i've ever spoken to know what first second or third third wave wave. coffee please uh give us the the (laughs) overview on that sure
2: so i think the broad strokes is first wave coffee is coffee that was introduced to america as a form of caffeine it was like Diner, nickel cups, so that's like, it's medicinal, it's, you know, for caffeine, and this is what you drink in the morning. Yeah. Second wave would be the introduction of, like, espresso into, espresso latte cappuccino into the, uh, like, American vernacular, Mm -hmm. and that came by way of, like, Starbucks, coffee bean pizza and, you know, so they really brought this new lens of what coffee is, and they started to push the envelope in terms of, like, oh, coffee is this or that, and then a third wave is the kind of what happened in the food world of like farm to table, this was like, they would call it seed to cup. So it's the, I think, I don't I don't know the lady's name that coined that term third wave, but really it goes back to the kind of like Stumptown, intelligentsia and counterculture. These were kind of the first uh, coffee companies that were going directly to the farmers and going like, hey, I think there's a better way to buy coffee than on the commodities market. Cause like what we're getting through there kind of sucks. And so it's like, Why don't I go straight to the farmer, see what they're doing and pay them a better dollar for what they're actually doing instead Mm -hmm. of the farmers getting squeezed because they're just basically creating a commodity for people to trade. And so that was kind of the, the beginning of third wave coffee, going back to like the roots of what coffee is and then presenting coffee that it's like it's not just this black liquid that tastes smoky there's all these reasons why they roasted that particular way. Now we've got really great coffee. We're getting it as fresh as possible and we're roasting it to highlight the coffee itself. Um, now, is this
0: where you're most interested? I mean, with the dual say, are you, are, are you doing coffee work too? In addition to the bakery? Yeah. So, and third wave is kind of like your, that's where, we, what you're most curious
2: about. Where Right. Here. So when we started, I, I was like, we didn't, I didn't know what third wave was at the time. I just knew I was like, Hey, there's these companies like blue bottle and intelligentsia. And I don't know what it is, but I want to have a great coffee program. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we started. And we just had an open mind about how we we're going to sell coffee. And so we, you know, that changed and has evolved since, and it still is evolving. Uh, but in terms of Dulce as a concept, we do, we consider, we say that we have three main um I guess, departments. One would be food, which is salads and sandwiches like a cafe would have. And then we have our bakery, which is pastries, and then we have desserts, and we lump that into bakery. And then we have, um, we, I guess you could just call it drinks. So it would be coffee, teas, matcha is huge now. And so we started serving a lot of matcha uh, a, a few years ago, right before it got too crazy, and then now we're in the full swing of the matcha craze.
0: So is, uh, is there just too much competition for matcha to be your main focus at this point? or?
2: Like everybody's got a matcha. Yeah. I mean, everybody does have a matcha. It seems like, but, um, not that it's like, we're not, I don't think matcha could be our main focus because we're not a specialty matcha store. Okay. And people, I don't think a little too niche to, yeah. And I don't think people even see us as a specialty coffee store, to be honest. Okay. We treat our coffee program like a specialty coffee store, but a true specialty coffee store would be like, um, man, they're few and far between now, but like, like a GMB at Grand Central or like a Minotti's over in Venice, like, or um, what's another one? Like handsome coffee when they used to be around, like where their sole focus is just coffee, not a food program, not a pastry okay. program. This is like coffee is, is, you know, rain or shine. This is going to be it, you know, and that's their main, main bread and butter.
0: You listed kind of the three pillars of the three main things that you focus on, but I was I was waiting for the hospitality to be in there, the environment, and I wonder how much thought you put into that, because it seems sure. like that was heavy on your mind at the top of the show, so I'd like to get yeah. some of your insight into into the world of hospitality, because like at the top you said it's all hospitality, everything right. we do at every stage of the day. Right is is a, is an offshoot of hospitality so
2: yeah that's a good point how so, does that
0: fit into your dulce vision
2: sure so those three areas that we talked about were kind of like what we serve mm-hmm. and then hospitality gets into like how we serve it and why we serve it um, like so th- this is what I tell our managers like hey our, I, I believe and I stand behind our drink program I think we have great pastries I think we have Uh, you know, great food and salads and sandwiches. But is it so good that if we had terrible service and we had terrible hospitality that people would still come back? And I think, no, because we're in a, we're in kind of a a market sector in the food, food industry where like you can get coffee at so many different places. You can get matcha at so many different places. Yeah. sandwiches and salads, so many different places, pastries too. And so if we spat in the face of our customers, they're, they're going to leave, you know, they'll go to, you know, XYZ competitor and, and More than just the self-serving, like, we need people to come back and, you know, and spend money here. It's, it's like, and then what are we doing beyond just giving them pastries and coffee and and serving them? It's like, we have an opportunity to make somebody's day better. Yeah. Um, And so it's like that hospitality has to be more important than actually what you're serving because you could be served a great product, great, delicious thing and have a bad taste in your mouth because you had a bad experience.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm very vindictive.
2: (laughs) So, um, so that's always very, very important. It's, and, and then, and what's interesting about a coffee shop is if you think about the first people that walk walk into your store in the morning, we might be the first per- people that you talk to. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah, no so, doubt, no you roll doubt. Roll out of at bed, all. like you leave earlier than your spouse or what, or your roommates or whatever, and then you you go to your coffee shop because you need your caffeine fix, or you that's how you like to start your morning. And then when you walk in the door and we say good morning, how are you? That might be those might be the first words that you hear yeah, during that day. Yeah, yeah, and to be and to help that person start off start their day off on the right foot is a small micro positive impact on the world and the community around us, you know? And I think that's something that we try to always remember. Um, And sometimes it's more difficult than others because we have customers that are, you know, disgruntled and and are going to be angry no matter what, but you know, that's not our, we can't control that. What we control is how we treat, treat our guests. So done <laughs> that's all i need to know about hospitality sure <laughs> now is this stuff
0: how, how, is this all through your life or how much of this is developing as you build the the shop i mean oh, it's all of it okay
2: yeah it's i mean i yeah for sure there's life experiences like toyshire learning yeah. you know how to talk to people and like really serve them and not try and sell them something. Um,
0: but when you open the doors on the first day of this, of, of DualSay, you're not like walking and saying, here's the mission plan. This is the, where most nope. people make the first connection yeah, of yeah. the day. Like this is not, not nope. day one stuff. What's the discovery process?
2: I don't, I think it's just,
0: or is it so organic that there's no, no tracking it at all?
2: Yeah. I don't, I, I can't say that I tracked it, but it's just, you th- you th- in the beginning, first two years, yeah. I'm, I'm at the store open and closed every day for like two years, yeah, 14 yeah. hour days. And, uh, you have a lot of time, especially in the beginning when we weren't busy. Um, you have a lot of time to think, you have a lot of time to reflect on the service or like what you did right and what you did wrong. And you're trying, you're constantly trying to figure out how, why a certain day was good or why a certain day was bad. Or, and then why you feel a certain way after a certain day and what have you. So like it's reflecting on that a lot. And then You know, like I want to give credit to things like this, you know, podcasts and YouTube videos. And and you start discovering different people that are sharing ideas and sharing experiences and you pick and choose, or you get to listen to those things and you're like, oh, I resonate with that. And you put that in your tool bag Uh, or like, oh, that's a really great point. I'd never thought of that, but that totally applies to what I was doing or, or I felt like uh, Danny Meyer, the the book that I talked about, Mm -hmm. Setting the Table. When I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, this is him preaching to the choir. Like I, these are all things that I felt, but never knew how to formalize in words.
0: Yeah. It's not arbitrary preaching to the choir. Sometimes there are members of the choir who don't have the words right. in the
2: order yet. And uh, sometimes it helps a lot. Right. Right. And so like, it's, we're there. Like we, I, I understand, I feel it and I understand it yeah. viscerally, Yeah, but I didn't, I but to have form- it codified, it. Yeah, exactly, helps a lot. And then to be able to share that with my staff, and then as you share it with your staff and your team, then they bring different vocabulary to it, yep, different yep, you know yep. perspectives and experiences to it, and that all kind of out organically turns into kind of, I guess, how we think about they'll say when we build a new shop and is
0: active as a manager. Uh, how do you, how do you solicit, uh, d- running active feedback from the, the boots on the ground? How do you get their perspectives in, in an efficient manner?
2: Sure. Uh, it, it's difficult, uh, in the sense that we don't have, especially like a store like USC, we're so busy there that it's like, Hey, can we get all the managers together to have a powwow or, mm-hmm. um, or just to, Really needed meeting because we needed to discuss some things it 's hard we we, we can 't do it unless it 's summer or winter during the off season, um, but I think that the great thing is um, to to be running a store in this day and age technology is insane as simple as having a text message thread with the group of the managers, we are constantly on that thing yeah we 're out of there someone is late someone oh i 'll be there to cover. Or how you're like, hey, do we know about this order? Or, hey, this is really great, and we send encouraging things. Or we complain about things. And so we definitely have a pulse on kind of how the store is doing and how the managers are doing. And um, pretty pretty good because of the simple iPhone or whatever phone yeah, you have. Yeah. You know? So I think that helps a lot.
0: And through this all, I'm sure you're watching – the money very carefully with uh, an accountant background. Trying to, <laughs> but in that, like, wh- where do you see? There's, there's everything you can learn in school. But what are come? What are the organic mistakes that you've made or the the misses that you've had? The the things that you didn't notice for too long. How what what,
2: um, what can't they teach you in school? Yeah. Like ninety percent of the stuff that okay. you deal with <laughs> in business, um, so I don't know. Like if we've had misses, I I know we've made plenty of mistakes, but our mistakes are usually on a customer service level or a mm-hmm. technical level, or you know, we had we we didn't train someone properly enough and they served a drink that was subpar. Um, so those things. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, the spreadsheet's
0: uh, black and white. Like it's just sure. numbers. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not that hard to do right or wrong. I, he,
2: I think here's one thing that was very, very different from what I expected, you, you know, landlords, investors, who, like they'll ask you to create pro- performers or projections about how you think you're going to do. My costs have always been higher than I thought. Yes. But luckily our revenues have also been higher than <laughs> we thought too. So it's like, um, but yeah, there's, and there's, oh, uh, I think one thing that they don't teach you and you know, never think about is it, like, yeah, here with so many different types of taxes. Um, yeah, even yeah. Like yeah. paying into a, a local bid, a uh, business improvement district. It's like, I remember one day going like, what the hell is this? Like, this is a 1200 bucks I have to pay to who? Why, where's this going? And then it's like, Oh, you're a business in little Tokyo. So you have to pay into this. And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. And then you, you pay into it and you're like, all right, I hope it's going to good use." And like, um, uh, you learn, and this might be pretty mundane or like other business owners might be like, Oh yeah, that you didn't know about that. But, One thing was like we have workers' compensation expense. You have to get an insurance policy for workers' comp, and you, you know, they ask you all these questions, and they say, okay, your premium is going to be three thousand dollars a year, whatever it is, based on yeah, yeah. yeah. And then at the end of the year, they come out and do an audit, and they're like, oh, your payroll is a lot higher than you put down on these forms, so you're going to have to pay another four grand. And you're like, what? Yeah, I didn't save four grand to pay you more. And so, uh, I remember one of our, one of our years, uh, our, our workers comp adjustment was like 12 grand and like, where's this 12 grand coming from? I mean, sure. We're, we're doing okay and we're saving, but that 12 grand was earmarked for buying a new machine or hiring another staff member or giving out bonuses or something else. But like, nope, it's going to insurance expense now. And so like, you know, you get blindsided about a lot of costs that, um, you don't, you don't really expect. Is it
0: is it possible even to get stanky rich on a on a, a bakery?
2: Uh, I'm yeah. There's plenty of places that I've done it. I think. Okay. But I think it's like many things in life, right? You've got. Because uh, I'm looking to get stanky rich as easily as possible. Yeah, should right? I be looking at bakeries? You should, no, you should. not So like it's it's like anything though. Like you've got your all stars and your outliers yeah. in any industry in the top. You know, uh, like the bell curve. You know, you're gonna have your top thirteen percent making like that kill it yeah right? yeah, yeah you you want to be that even in the coffee industry right the people that made the most money are probably like the stumptowns intelligentsia's blue bottles that were first to market uh, did a great job they scaled they got bought out by private equity firms and they sold like yep, there it is ton of money. we
0: wait on every episode for the bump on the mic stand oh, there and it is. that Sorry. was uh, it's my greatest joy in life
2: <laughs> um good to know um and then you have the majority of coffee shops that are, you know, making a living, and and people are doing okay, and it's it's good, it's yeah. good enough where they're like, hey, this is a life decision that I want to do, and and I can provide for my family, and I do this, and it's great. Uh, and then there's the other thir- maybe thirteen or more percent mm-hmm. that that. They're like, this doesn't work. They close down. They lose, lose what they invested in the business.
0: Now, I got, so. a, I got a wild question. Then we'll, we're going to turn to the fishbowl. Sure. If I were to ask you, if you think this is something that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, would you be able to answer or would you not disclose that information?
2: Man, I hope I can do this for the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at this point, uh, this has been the majority of my professional career. Mm-hmm. So I always joke, like, if Dulce failed, what would I be doing? You can always I boomerang a orang, orang. Uh no, I don't think I'd yeah. <laughs> I don't even go back into uh, accounting. It's just uh,
0: What about it speaks to you at such a such a core level.
2: What about what? About Dulce. Oh. Um, what's great is I feel like Dulce as a company, mm-hmm. like what I'm able to do with a community and the amount of people that we serve and the amount of lives that we touch is far greater than if I were working at a company, um, you know, we get to be involved with little Tokyo a ton. You know, we got to meet you through Hano, Little Tokyo. You're um, welcome. <laughs> thank you. Um, and like, it's just the amount of things that we can do and the amount of, uh, lives that hopefully we can impact for the positive is far greater for me, um, in doing this than in anything else that I can see myself doing at this point or at this juncture in my life. So hopefully I can do it. It's time, time to turn to
0: the bowl. <laughs> you take
2: the first pull. All right.
0: That's a new rhyme. We've never done that one. That's a one. Yeah. One? It's time to turn <laughs> hey, to the right. bowl. You get the first pull.
2: I saw this. You got it. it the, f- that was the
0: one I found on the street yeah. the other day. But it
2: looks like a coffee stain. And yeah. being that we serve It might a lot speak of coffee, to you, yeah. do you want
0: me to smear some croissants on it
2: <laughs> <laughs> really put it? In uh, I think it's on the inside. inside. The outside ha- might have uh, the mm, answer. Oh, that's that's okay. It's a pretty weak answer once you read the question. What was one important thing that Abraham Lincoln did?
0: Yes. What is one important name? One anything. What do you, what is one important thing? Uh, uh, abolish slavery. <laughs> I'm going to go with what's written on the card. <laughs> saved was, the union. Saved the union.
2: Yes. No, this is, that's cool. It's definitely not what I expected.
0: I was, I was walking down the street, saw that on... Uh, I was walking down the street, keeping time with my feet, and I saw that and picked this it up. This must
2: have been a flashcard. I think right? so. Yeah, right. But
0: it, it makes me worry about the integrity <laughs> yeah, right. of the like, program,
2: if that's the, the best answer. <laughs> right, yeah. Saved the union. The, what's one thing that Abraham will need? Jeez. Okay.
0: All right. Let's see what we got next. Oh, you get to pick one. Yeah. What do you think this is? Ooh. Tell us about a small business that you mm. enjoy visiting.
2: Who's that Care by? of
0: Mariko Lockridge. <laughs> and for the, uh, you know, can we take Cafe Dulce off? I think I think yeah, we got the no, plug absolutely. in for yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah,
2: yeah. So we're good. So, hold on. Can we repeat the question. Um, business enjoy visiting. Um, hmm. In Little Tokyo, or just in general? In the universe, in anywhere. The universe. What is one restaurant? Uh, one s- small business, why is it so difficult? I mean, I don't visit that many t- places or small businesses to be honest. Yeah. If you're spending do, 14 hours a day. Yeah, I'm busy, but, um, okay. So I'll just talk about one that I go to frequently but okay. it's, and, and I'll tell you why I, Oh,
0: and you're allowed to order. ding out if you don't want to answer a question. Oh, no, no, you're I'll, certainly yeah. allowed to.
2: Got it. So I visit, I visit Kinjiro a lot in Honda Plaza. <laughs>
0: Hold on. What was, I didn't want to pay short shrift to you. What did you say? Can't ding out of that question. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed uh, okay.
2: out. It's, it's been uh, ordained. Yes. So what um, is it? What is the answer? So I, I go, I visit Kinjiro a lot, um, mm-hmm. in Honda Plaza in little Tokyo. And, um, it's, it's because I've gotten, I've become good friends with the owner there. His name okay. is June. And uh, I go, he's one of my, he's like a big brother than me. He's been in the food industry for quite a long time. And uh, he gives me like no bullshit feedback. Um, And, you know, tells me when things that we do suck and when things we do good, he praises us. And um, he has a very interesting outlook on food. Um, And so I appreciate that, that viewpoint. And, um, and then beyond that is incredibly good food. Like mm-hmm. he, he, so there is a bit of a bakers who weren't bakers support yeah, group. Right. That so you like, find over time. Yeah. So you have other small business owners, even yeah. just my friends that are small business owners. We, we talk about issues with employees and stuff like that all the time. So, um, not just issues with employees, but, <laughs> um, you know, hours, yeah. days yeah. spent. Talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, his food is crazy good. And then he, it's an example of, uh, his restaurant is a passion project.
0: Okay. He so uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it goes to zero or I don't loses think he makes any money from okay. this work.
2: And um and you know, it's just his food is insanely good. Uh he's got a chef there, who who is just incredibly talented, just produces some really great food, and everyone it's one of my top three favorite restaurants in LA.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's so. a perfect answer. Cool.
2: Your turn. Oh, great. Color.
0: Yeah, go for it. What have you got?
2: Hmm. This is by Uh, I don't know who that's probably It says, BC, I love you. Uh, When was the last time someone told you that they love you?
0: That's from Kate Faust. When was the last time that somebody told you that they loved you? Because Kate loves you.
2: (laughs) Oh, she does. Thank you, Kate. Love you too. Um, Probably a couple days ago, my wife. Oh, excellent. Great. (laughs) That was easy. I'm going down to the bottom of the bowl. Let's
0: see what we get. Nice. Okay, for real, Kate Faust. Usually, people put two or three, in. she put about ten in. Okay. So here's another Kate, Kate, Kate Faust. How often do you meditate and take time to get quiet? Do you spend Oof. any time to yourself between four shops now? Um, that's a great question. And a and child, did it more. and a spouse. When when do we get? When do you get
2: you time? I think just in the shower. Okay, <laughs> I take kind of long showers. Okay, and my wife will attest to that. Um, I just veg out in the shower a little bit. You do that in the morning or at evening, whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> whenever you're not outside of the shower, that's yeah, when you're showering. It's,
2: it's like, dude, I can take a shower right now. So I'm gonna take a shower. But yeah, usually morning or late evening. Okay. Um, and then you know what else too? I think this is a, I, I, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit because there are so many podcasts and you know videos and things that you're listening to and stuff. Even when we're just taking a walk, I feel like I'm constantly mm-hmm. plugged in and thinking about things.
0: In a good way or in a bad way.
2: I think mostly good, but I think this is a great reminder that we do need to spend time to just be in the present, in the moment, quiet our minds a little bit.
0: All right, so pop up shops are done and podcasts ain't shit. We should be living in the present. (laughs) Got it. Got it. So glad we had you on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're full. Cool. Um, It's getting hot in here. Just (laughs) me. (laughs) No, no, no. So glad you came out. Oh, dude, look at this. (laughs) What'd you got? Did you put 10 questions in here, too, (laughs) Mariko? Uh, what do you know about little Tokyo? What do you, what do you, how is that read? Is that red? Uh, what do you know
0: about little Tokyo or is it red? What do you know <laughs> about little Tokyo? Um, give us a fun fact and we'll get to the next one. We'll try to find some non Mariko, non Kate yeah, fast questions.
2: Uh, fun fact. It's one of the 13 Cal- cultural California dis- recognized cultural California districts in all of California. Yeah. They only care about
0: 13 places That's that are it. culturally and we're significant. One of them. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. That's a win. Let's get let's I get hope something I said that right. Kristen Fukushima will correct me.
0: We're having her on. As we understand on the podcast, she runs these streets. She does. Oh wow. the I know how
2: noisy it was. Oh, no, you're kidding. You.
0: All right, stab him, stab him and eat of his flesh. Stab him, stab him, stab him, stab him,
2: stab him. Sorry James, but uh I'm done. It sounds like Michael Myers is here. I gotta stab you. We're gonna ding out of that one. It's your turn, friend. I, w- I wouldn't stab you if you paid me. <laughs> Ooh, this is a thin one. Theology. Fuck it. Let's get into it. All right, theology. Great. Oh, are you? Yes. We're gonna talk about theology. Yeah, yeah. Are you a man of God? Do you, oh, yeah. do you have faith? Um, I I call. I consider myself a Christian. I okay. believe in Jesus. Do you believe in <laughs> Jesus the fact or Jesus, Jesus the metaphor? Uh. Both. Oh, okay I believe he was a man uh, believe uh, in the metaphor of who, who he is died for our sins um, yeah and I try to leave my lead my life in a, in a positive way. The other thing that I love about the gospel and a lot of the stories in the Bible is more often than not it's the people that don't matter the most or the ostracized and the people at the at the well that are ones that are the ones that are really important that make change
0: mm-hmm there's, uh, Jesus had this, this thing for, uh, what does he call them? The meek.
2: Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead. No, that's all. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did. <laughs> it comes up
0: quite a bit that the, 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 uh, he who is first will be last yes. and he who is last
2: will be first. And, and you know, what? that's something that, you know, I don't, I, ha- I struggled a lot in the beginning. I'm like, I'm Christian. Should my business be, should my business be a Christian business? Right? Yeah, do, yeah, what do yeah. we do? Like, how do I represent that? And, um, and then I, I met a pastor who's in, who was, uh, I taught, I had a conversation with him and that came up. And one of the things he said is like, Hey, there's something to be said about not shoving Christianity down people's throats. There's mm-hmm. something to be said about just being excellent in what you're doing and letting your faith come out where it comes out. And it doesn't have to be forced. Now that was very comforting and and refreshing for me. And then there's a lot of, um, principles that I kind of, I don't say it's a Christian principle, but things that we apply. So I tell my, my team, Hey, it's really important to serve one another just as much as it is important to serve the guests coming through our door. Yeah. And so that's something that we talk about, like servanthood I I don't know if I don't know if a lot of people have this about that word servanthood in terms of it feeling like I'm lowering myself to a lower level. Yeah, and it I feel so, like some people reel back from that word, but I think it's really important. Like serving one another is so important. So servanthood is actually one of the three words that we talk about in terms of like being in hospitality.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and kind of destigmatizing that right, a little right. bit within within your own operations. Yeah. When, when you were younger, did you feel more of a compulsion to, to proselytize? Like, is it something that you wanted to share a lot or did it just feel like as you came into a position of more influence on more people mm-hmm. that, that you were wondering how to, how to square your beliefs with, with a semi-public stage that you're developing right. as a, a manager with uh, different you
2: know umbrellas below you? Sure. Um, I think I was very much so like early college. And then, you know, as work and life became much more demanding, that kind of went away. And then I think that whole like struggle came about when we had a lot of really, really, um, quote unquote hardcore Christians working for us. Okay. Which is great. They, hard workers, you know, highest of integrity. Not, not to say that all Christians have high integrity, but you know, these, you know, and these, that you know, non Christians yeah, are, are devoid mo- of integrity. Yeah, exactly. Um, gotta be careful, but uh, yeah, no, man, you got some fire takes on this
0: episode. <laughs> uh,
2: amazing. Great, great little sniffs that you made. I'm gonna cut this up and make you sound horrible. <laughs> Looking forward to it. No, this is one of the things I love about this, uh-huh. this
0: format is that you have context for everything right, right, people right. say, and you can understand it over the evolution, not
2: Absolutely. just those
0: little. Uh, snippets that could be,
2: yeah, um, but anyhow, so those a lot of them were like, Hey, like, why is what we 're doing like why does this matter? and then a lot of times, because they were so uh, uh, so religious or you know so devout in their faith that that was a big thing for them, like we want this to be missions oriented or what mm-hmm. have you, and and I think that 's really great like we 're actually helping uh, right now two girls in Oman who are missionaries. We're sending them. I have to get around to this. This is a good reminder. I, we're sending them one of our old espresso machines so they can start a cafe over there in Oman. Uh, we we uh, sent uh, one of our staff members, Jonathan Yang, who's our kind of our uh, coffee culture guy and. Uh, does a lot of training for our staff. We got to send him and uh, his fiance, Julia, over to Oman. They stayed there for 10 days and kind of gave them the ins and outs of coffee and did a huge training thing for them for like 10 days. And, um, you know, we're able to do those things in little ways. Um, mm-hmm. Noisy. And there uh, he goes right now, yeah. off to Oman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's great. And we, we get to do things like that, little things here and there. Okay. Um yeah, that's kind of how it's manifesting now, but um does that answer the question? Did I kind of Absolutely.
0: Answer? Okay. Absolutely. It's beautiful <laughs> to uh, I think there's uh you know d- some very vocal uh folks who wear the the mantle of Christian have uh, made a lot of other Christians kind of go undercover right, yeah. a bit, like sure. turn the volume down on right. their faith just to stay clear of like in my my version of it is i want to wave a flag outside of my house my grandfather Uh would wave flags all year round Uh on the fourth of july he'd put 20 flags out on the porch oh wow awesome and i'd love to carry on that tradition (laughs) but when you put a flag out in front of your house it's it's like a a, such a clear message about an ideology that Mm -hmm. i don't feel associated with Mm -hmm. and i wonder if if uh, christians might be feeling the same way so it's good to get a little bit of uh oh yeah btw I'm deeply in faith, uh, and it influences how I do my operation. Like it's uh, good to have it uh, to know about it, and yeah. to know that that there are good ones out there too, and they're kind of keep, not keeping their heads down, but just sure. not nearly as as megaphony about right. it. Yes. Beautiful answer. That was your pull, my pull. Great. Let's get let's get this one. I think this I like this fishbowl great. thing,
2: man. Isn't it fun? It is fun. It's a great format, right? It is. It is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want some music whatever fun? works here? We
0: go. Let's get some let's get some music for you.
2: Oh Wow, this changes it quite a bit Next question. What's the
0: one movie or show from history you wish you could have been the one to make?
2: What the one movie or show from history that you wish you could have been the one to make what do you mean by from history like in the past? Well, I would as, yeah, anything that, it does, that exists. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that works. Um, I'm going to say fight club. Not that I love that movie. Love what what do you love movie. so much about it? I like the characters a lot. Uh, you know, Tyler Durden was insane mm-hmm. and, and he's just fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Edward Norton
0: is man. I seen what the nunchucks so is. Good. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh, I, I don't know the, the female actress's name. Marla, She played Marla. Yeah, yeah. Her uh, name was... Um, Tim Burton's... Yeah. Why do we not know her name? Because, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, but yeah, that's the movie.
0: All right. Your turn. Please pull one and I will give you the music and then you can read it as however you feel.
2: <laughs> I don't know how to read it. Have you ever fallen in love? Well, wait till the music's done at oh, least. Oh, got it. <laughs> have you ever fallen in love? And if so, how did you know it was love? Have, I'm assuming that
0: you, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you might say yes, that you've fallen in love. I have. All
2: right. How did you know? When, when, when did it, when did it all click? Uh, pretty soon. Like. My wife and I, we uh, started talking on the phone and we had one three-hour dinner and I, that was, I was sold. I knew cause butterflies in your stomach.
0: That's wild. My wife (laughs) and I were friends for five years before we started dating. (laughs) I don't understand you at all.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Our first three dates were uh, San Francisco, Las Vegas, New York.
0: How'd you meet? You just, were you dialing random numbers and hoping it would
2: work? (laughs) We had a mutual friend. So this is when I was in the chocolate shop in Palo Alto. Okay. And she was working for a restaurant group that had a restaurant. Oh, dude. Just
0: imagine the day that she gets that call. Her friend is like, yo, I know this guy. (laughs) Handsome chocolatier. Yeah,
2: right. Um, uh, no, so she was visiting her restaurant in San Francisco and her mutual friend came up to hang out with her mm-hmm. for the first time. And then, uh, I, so I went to pick her up from the airport and drop her off and I met Cindy, uh, my lovely wife now. And then, uh, we, I was like, Hey, you come up every month. We should have dinner. And then we had a three hour dinner mm-hmm. and then I started calling her after that and, oh. um, it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. How do you, how are you keeping love alive? You got one
0: kid. Yeah. What do, what do you do special? Like, how do you, how do you keep that, that. I mean, your, your, bandwidth is pretty well occupied at this yeah, point, Yeah, our it not? bandwidth is, is How do you keep the romance going?
2: Um, well, try and take a little time off here and there and, you know, try and make time for the little months. We, we saw, mm-hmm. um, A Star is Born the other day as a matinee and that Aww. was great. A little love story. Um great movie by the way um and then we're for cindy's birthday and then autumn's birthday it's pretty close in, in proximity uh we're going down to disneyland for three days and we just booked two nights at the hotel awesome it'll so be a lot of fun yeah. that's
0: not bad at all yeah.
2: hey uh, offers on the
0: table if you ever need a babysitter please don't be shy i would only be happy to come out so you guys can reconnect and uh enjoy an evening thank you oh wait it's my turn okay <laughs> i feel like uh, pressure now what would be the title of your autobiography?
2: Ooh, I think it should be caffeine. Good choice. <laughs> choice. <laughs> uh, caffeine, carbs, and... What is it? Was it <laughs> you sugar? need one more. Oh, yeah. C- ca- it was uh, sugar, caffeine, and carbs. Okay, okay, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that was easy. The... Oh, mine. Man, this is so much more exciting with this music. <laughs> what... It's the most annoying thing you've encountered on set. Do you work in the film industry at all? I do not. <laughs> How's your heart? We're going into speed rounds now. Okay, uh, my heart is good. There's a period of time where I had heart skipping heartbeats, but I think it was I was drinking too much cold brew.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And you killed the cold brew and your heart came back to, to regular no, I, pace? still drink cold brew. I think I just Oh, normalized. you just got used yeah. to it? <laughs> I don't think that's the solution. <laughs> All right.
2: Is Hollywood hypocritical about the Me Too movement? Did Hollywood, especially Disney, take things too far by firing James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy 3?
0: We need to know mm-hmm. your opinion on this, James.
2: <laughs> Did Disney take things too far by firing James Gunn on
0: the, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Three? Uh, what happened to James <laughs> Gunn? <laughs> <All right.
2: laughs> That's
0: why we have a bell.
2: <laughs> we have never done them this fast. This oh. is. <laughs> What's your favorite costume to wear for Halloween? Oh, I—I'll tell you my favorite costume that I want to wear. Okay. There's there was a. Um, A max from Where the Wild Things Are costume that some artists made, and they were like six hundred bucks a piece. But you can't buy them. But it looks so good, and I really want one. And I've been very close to getting costume designers to make one for me, but Mm -hmm. I've never been able to get one.
0: You could call up a college student who's working in costume design and say, "I've got five hundred bucks for a max costume. Keep whatever you don't spend on material, dude." And they'd be over the moon. We should do. I should do that. I should do that. You hear us conspiring on the air to take <laughs> advantage of <laughs> <laughs> kids who need money. Yes. I'm evil. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll we'll it piece it out. You can do this one. Good idea on the music. That was. This is way more intense now. Wait till you hear it. Ooh, who is or was
2: your greatest influence?
0: That's a good one to end on. Hmm. Who? I've written a prediction down in my mind.
2: Oh, have you? Yes. Hmm.
0: Let's hear your answer and I'll tell you if I got it right.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, so not to get all like sappy or whatever, like it'd be my late mother.
0: That was what I wrote down on the card, actually in my head. Um, (laughs) I wish I had written it down physically (laughs) so that I could prove to you.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's mainly because all of the things that she did, whether intentionally or unintentionally, either she was crazy or a genius has led me to what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether that influence was great or, you know, I, I would argue that it's a, it was a positive influence. And then also, uh, I think dealing with a lot of her, uh, emotional, you know, stressors in life and what have you has taught me to be extremely patient. Uh, so my best friend, Dave and my wife always are, Shocked at how patient I am, um, and uh, so yeah, definitely my mom's been probably the biggest influence of my life. I wouldn't be doing dulce if she hadn't yeah, been yeah, like, yeah. "I'm going to start a bakery in, Cap- uh, in in little Tokyo," and I'm like, "Why are you doing this?"
0: Yeah, so and I mean, it's yeah. not a maybe thing; it's like a one to one, one hundred percent chance. You would not be doing dulce yeah, right absolutely. now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Are you let's do some wind down music. Is it okay? Yeah, wind All down right.
2: music's great. This
0: has been me. That's
2: nice. Hollywood Fishbowl.
0: <laughs> I've been your host, Jesse Kester. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can find us on the internet at www.hollywoodfishbowl.com or on Instagram and Twitter at HWFishbowl. Three W's on the website, one W on the Instagram and Twitter. But it's not about us. It's about the guest James Oh right Where can people find you And Cafe Dulce
2: um, You don't need to find me But Cafe Dulce would be At Cafe Dulce LA On Instagram And Facebook I think it's just Cafe Dulce And you'll find our page
0: Okay Cafe
2: Dulce mm-hmm. I guess I'll announce We're going to try and start doing blog posts On our website Which would be interesting Awesome um, Something that we've always intended to do But never did uh, So we're going to try and do it Excellent. Can't wait to see that. When's the launch date, if any? Uh, First post was today. We just said, hello world.
0: Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak with us. It really means a lot to Uh, me. Pleasure is mine. Thank thank you so uh, much, Jesse. Just a little bit left of the music and then you are free to go anywhere and do anything you like, including shower. Amazing. (laughs)